Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you back here at East Hillsville Baptist Church. And I uh, just want to say today, if you're visiting with us, we would encourage you to stop by our guest table located in the lobby. There's a table set up. There's some guest bags. Feel free to grab one of those. Um, there's also a visitor card out there. We'd encourage you to fill that out or fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. And you can give that to uh, us as staff or leave it in your chair, whatever's most convenient. But as we begin our service today, I want to read just a passage of scripture from Psalm 97. Beginning in verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns. Let that truth just sink in for everybody. Everybody breathe, okay? <laughs> this week, the Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Verse 6 says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all people see his glory. Then the last two, three verses of this says, Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Let me just start again as we begin this service. This scripture reminds us, and we all need to be reminded of this, the Lord reigns. No matter what side of the political side you're on, no matter what's happened in your life this week, good or bad, the Lord reigns. He is good and he is worthy of worship. So I want to ask everyone to stand and as you stand, put a smile on your face, wave at your neighbor, welcome them to the service, and let's celebrate and worship the Lord who truly reigns today.
So amen. I hope you're okay this morning. I want to read to you, and before I do, I have an announcement. All about our shoe boxes. I want to thank Marie and Nick Purdue. They're a great job and how they're doing that. Uh, but if you have shoe boxes on November the 22nd, that's going to be our deadline. If you'll bring those shoe boxes out in our lobby and leave those there. But tonight, they'll complete 800 of those for the children. We want to thank them for that. Can you give them a hand for doing that? Uh, so it's a lot of hard work, and I uh, want to thank them for doing, taking care of that. But this morning, as a son of a veteran of World War II, I want to thank you men and women who have served our country and are serving our country. I want to thank you for your service this morning. We want to just, just thank the Lord for you. And for those who are serving now in harm's way, we want to remember those men and women who are on the battlefield that we might have the freedoms that we have. We want to thank you for that. I want to read to you in, in Romans 12, 12. It says, Rejoice in hope. We have hope. Our hope's not taken away. The Bible says we can rejoice this morning in our hope. Our hope is in Christ who was crucified, was buried, and rose again. That's our hope. And it says this, patient in tribulation. Boy, we're not going through some tribulation. It's hard to be patient sometimes. But let us be patient and trust God during this time. In finishing, it says, continually steadfastly in prayer. Church, we need to be praying. We need to be praying continually, always in prayer. Join me in prayer this morning as we pray. Father, we thank you that you're our hope. And God, that you're the solid rock. And Lord, we want to thank you that you're the everlasting hope. And Father, our hope is forever. It's in you and you alone. And Father, we want to thank you when we do go through tribulations that you're there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And Father, I pray that you would help us as a people, as your people, to pray without ceasing. Lord, to pray for our nation, our community, our churches across our nation. That God, that you'd bring healing to our nation. That Lord, that you'd help our nation to turn to you once again in prayer, in steadfastness, in prayer. And Father, again this morning, we want to thank you for our men and women in service. I pray you'd bless them. Lord, I want to thank you for their service to our nation, that we might have the freedoms that we have this morning. And Father, we want to thank you for our veterans this morning. And Father, we want to pray for the church that's being persecuted throughout the world. And God, we pray that you'd be with them too this morning. Lord, especially what's going on in Nigeria and places of the world. And Father, this morning we love you and we thank you for loving us. I pray you'd bless this day. And Father, I pray that you would be blessed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Stop. 
Jesus is worth 
aren't you thankful for our veterans this morning? If you're a veteran of the military, would you please stand for just a moment? We want to recognize you this morning. If you're a veteran, would you please stand? Thank you very much for your service. Hey, if you'll just remain standing there for just a moment, uh, I'd just like to say this, and I've said this before, the only reason you have the freedoms you have right now is because men and women like them served. They answered the call. So today and every day, thank you for your service. We love you. God bless you. Uh, your uh, debt that you paid to this country could never be paid back, and we love you very much. Let's give them another hand clap. Thank you very much. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you. You may be seated. With that said, we should always remember those that are serving uh, overseas in America uh, as well. Every time you pray, remember our military in prayer. They're keeping us safe, so thank you very much. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Last week, we looked at being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The week before that, we looked at the word present. It's something you do, nobody can make you do it, right? You have to present yourself to, before God as a living sacrifice. It's an act of worship. And until you do that, you'll never understand what good's, God's will is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect, okay? Then you come here, and your mind is renewed, so you have worship, you have transformation, and then it leads us to the third thing that makes our Christianity authentic in your life, okay? Transformation worship, and then we have service. If you'll stand with me, look at verses 3 through 8 together. If you'll stand out of respect for God's Word. Paul, continuing this thought, says this, for, basically, why does he say for? Based on what I've said before. You give your body as a living sacrifice. Your mind is being transformed and renewed. Basically, because of that, he says this, for I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. He starts out with our mind again, not what we think about God, but what we think about ourselves. Because what you think about yourself, think about this, it'll be the first point. What you think about yourself matters to God. Now notice what he says. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, have a right thought about yourself, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And this is in the context of spiritual gifts. You know, Corinth had that problem. They, some of them wouldn't like the gifts they had. Some of them wanted other gifts. And God says, no, I give you exactly what you need. Okay? And, and then some people, because of their spiritual gifts, especially in a church setting, they were getting proud because people responded to them a certain way. And what Paul's telling the church at Rome is, look, don't, don't be like Corinth. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But also don't think of yourself more lowly than you should either. You can be proud and you can humble brag. Don't do that. If you think soberly, you're going to have a right estimation of yourself. And then notice there at the end of verse 3, this deals with your, special, with your spiritual gifts, a measure of faith. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Very important uh, phrase. For as we have many members of one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let's, let's think about that as I say this. Let us use them. God has gifted you. Use your gift. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Look at the word ministry. I don't know how many spiritual gifts tests you could tear up and throw in the trash because they're useless if you just understand what the word ministry means. Ministry means just serving. I don't know what my... I, I've, I've had people come to me who, who work in soup kitchens, who, work, who go visit shut-ins, who do hospital visits in this church, 
who, who, who help in Sunday school and say, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. You're doing it. It's ministry. Aren't you thankful for the word ministry? That could be a million different things. Passing out a bulletin is ministry. What's my spiritual gift? I don't know. You're doing it. You're passing out your bulletin. You don't need a spiritual gifts test. Every person in this room has a spiritual gift of ministry. Every person. These spiritual gifts, you may have three or four. You may have two. You may have one. It doesn't matter. People put so much burden and frustration on themselves because they're not in front of the church. Be Thank God every day if you're not called to be in front of the church. Amen? There's a lot more pressure and responsibility that goes when you're before the camera. If it's ministry, then minister. Notice what he says. I love that word. He said, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. God has, if you're born again today, God has gifted you, okay, to, to use your gifts in your home. I, I would tell you this, if, if you have the gift of ministry, if you're a man, look at me, if you have the gift of ministry and you've never folded towels in your home, then you're not using your spiritual gifts at home. And all of God's people said, amen. If you can serve your church, you can serve your wife. Amen. Same thing to the ladies. Look, this applies in your home. This applies in your community. I use this in my workplace as best I could. I, I try, after God saved me, I became a better employee because I said, hey, if I can serve in church sweeping the floor, I can sweep the floor here in this furniture factory. Okay? So you, you can use these all over. But ultimately, these gifts are to be designed to use here in the community for God's glory. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, every person that's born again, you have, you have uniquely gifted them because you know us. You know us. You know what we're capable of. You know our personalities. You know our weaknesses and our strengths. Father, you know what we like to do. Serving in the church is not to be frustration. So many people are serving in the wrong areas. Lord, it should be a joy to come to church and serve. And Father, I thank you for that word ministry. It takes a lot of pressure off a lot of people. People have been burdened down over the years because they're doing things you've never called them to do. Lord, I pray that they just surrender to just do ministry. Father, our church is filled with people that do ministry, their own ministries, and we're so thankful for that. This church is where it is today because lay, peop lay people surrendered to ministry. They just did ministry, whatever it was. So Father, we thank you for that today. And Lord, I pray that we would today surrender to you again for service, whatever that is. As a pastor, I'm not here to put pressure on anybody to do anything. But Lord, just do service. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you, and we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, when you look at Romans 12:1, you have worship. Romans 12:2, you have transformation. Romans 12:3, you have service. But everything starts out with your mind. Notice point number one, what you think about yourself matters to God. Notice the verse on the screen. Paul says this, For I say to you, through the grace given to me, notice, for I say, through the grace given to me, stop, he's not talking about, he's not talking about sa saving grace. We all have that. How do we know that? For I say to you, through the grace given to me, he's saying, what does that mean? He's talking about how when God bestows a spiritual gift on you, it's an act of grace, just like your salvation is. Okay? That God bestows this gift supernaturally on you. And what Paul was saying to the church at Rome, and they understood it, is this. I'm saying to you by the grace given to me, the fact that I'm an apostle. Okay, that's why I'm speaking to you, and I can speak to you this way. That's why I can write you the letter, Paul says. Because God has given me this enormous responsibility to be an apostle. That's what I am. 
That means that he was speaking to the church at Rome with authority. That's what that means. For I say, through the grace given to me as an apostle, I represent God. I am his ambassador on earth. Okay? That's what he's saying. He's even, there's even humility in Paul's life when he talks about being an apostle. He goes on to say this, not in this section, and this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So Paul, what Paul was saying when he says, through the grace given to me, is I'm talking to you as somebody who's received the mercy of God, not just in salvation, but in my calling. Paul didn't ask for this. But he, but they, and they understood that. But they understood that when he spoke and when he wrote, he had the authority of God on his writing. For I say, comma, through the grace given to me, comma, to everyone who is among you. This is to everybody. All of us today, it would apply to us. Okay, That's just how modern and contemporary the Bible is. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Why? Because it's real easy for born-again Christians who, who battle the flesh... When people uh, compliment them, they become proud. It was a problem in most churches where Paul and Peter wrote. Okay, The problem of pride. Don't overestimate yourself, he's saying. We're warned not to overestimate. The Greek words means hyper-prone. That word think, he uses the word think. Look, think, 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 think. Okay, The, the Greek word, and I'll just spell it out to you, P-H-R-O-N-E. When, when, you, when you think about the word highly, then you ought to think, it's just preceded with the word hyper. You're overestimating yourselves. John MacArthur said there's a very ugly sin contained in exaggerating self-esteem. It's self-exaggeration. And, and Peter says this in the context of leadership. Peter says the same thing. He says this to all the leaders when he writes in 1 Peter. Now this is Peter. Isn't it amazing how God changed his life? Peter says this, Be clothed with humility... For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. That word resist means to hold your hand against. It means to stiff arm, if you've ever watched football. It, it, means, it means, nope, don't come here with that. I will not accept your pride, God says. He's talking to leaders in the context. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives liberally grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He will, he will exalt you in his own time. Do not think of yourself. Don't overestimate yourself. He says this, look, more highly than he should, but think soberly. That word soberly means to think sanely, rightly. Be in your right mind. Okay, when you come to church, just be in your right mind. And then I would say this, don't think, don't think too low of yourself. Don't underestimate yourself. You know, we, we're, a, we're, a, we're a county of humble braggers. Somebody sings, oh, I'm just the worst singer in the choir. I'm just the worst singer in the choir. I'm just a terrible teacher. Oh, that was a terrible... You know, over and over and over again, oh, I'm the worst person ever. No, I want you to quit bragging. All right? Think soberly about yourself. Just be humble. I thank God that I do what I do and I am who I am. I know who I... That's what Paul's saying. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think sober. Just be in the right mind. You understand that? Hey... A person who loves the Lord, whether you're teaching, singing, serving in the nursery, you're not going to get too high, high of an uh, estimation of yourself or a too low one. Because you know what? You just know what God's called you to do. I am who I am. God's called me to do this. And, and I'll do it till, till he's done with me. Right? Whether you get a pat on the back or not. Whether you get chest bumps or not. 
Okay? We don't do the high-end pops here. Please don't do that you know, when we leave. But eat, whether you get those or not, it does not matter. Think soberly about yourself. Listen, there's only one hero in the Bible. There's only one hero in the kingdom, and it's not you. It's Jesus. Everything in your life should point people to Jesus. All your service should point people to Jesus. When you're working in Good News Club, everything you're doing is pointing people to Jesus. Okay? Whenever you're filling out those shoe boxes, what a blessed ministry we have here. You're just pointing people to Jesus with that. Praise team, when they sing, they're pointing people to Jesus. When I preach, my goal is to point people to Jesus. When you teach, your goal is to point people to Jesus. When you open the door at church, you, you should be Jesus to that person. Because you're doing what God's called you to do. It's to open the door. If you pass out a bulletin, you're to point people to Jesus. That's your ministry. It's just as important as what I'm doing. Okay, That's your spiritual gift. Pass it out. Be happy. Be, be, be enjoy it. Don't think more highly of yourself. Don't think too lowly of yourself. Just think soberly about yourself. The point number two is this. You are gifted, period. You are gifted. Let that sink in. Just look at that for a moment. You are gifted, every one of you. That's born again. There's not one person that's ever been saved by God's grace that has not been gifted by God. It's an act of grace in your life. You are gifted, and then I would say this, since you are gifted and you know you are, because that's what the Bible says you are, use your gift. Use it. That's what Paul says. Notice, how, notice the analogy that he uses here in verse 4 and 5. He says, for as we have many members in one body. He's talking about the physical body. we got many members, right? you got hands, eyes, ears, nose, feet. you got a heart. If you don't have a heart, you're dead. Okay, you got a heart. Some of you have a gallbladder. Some of you don't because we don't need it. You got a liver. Some of you have one kidney. Some of you have two kidneys. You have, you have all these things. You have, look, he's saying this. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. My hands and my feet have different functions. My eyes and my ears have different functions. My heart and my liver has a different function. They all work together so that I can actually walk and breathe and do. And then he says this. So we, talking about the church, being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We're all part of the body. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. Just like you have a body, this is a body. Even the people online, we're a body locally. And then universally, you have all the denominations of people who believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, regardless of their denomination. If my faith is in the resurrected Savior who died for my sins, and He rose from the dead, I don't care what name or denomination you put on, you're part of my body of Christ universally, all over the world. You know there are a lot more people coming to Christ outside of America than in America. Okay, All different denominations in this county, those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, the resurrected Jesus alone for their salvation, I don't care what they wear, how their services go, they're born again, they're part of the body universally. Paul was saying, okay, and you get that down here at East Hazel Baptist Church at 644 1st Avenue Drive Southeast, you're part of the, you're part of the body locally. We all have different functions, all of us. Our staff, we all have different functions. Every person in this church, even though you may even have the same, you work in the same ministry, your function's a little different than theirs. That's the beauty of it. That's what makes the body the body. And what Paul would say is this, we can't function properly as a body without your gift. That's how God has designed us. That's how God has blessed us. That's why when you're selfish in your life, when you're selfish in your life, not only do you hurt from it, but also, think about this, the church hurts. 
the church, God wants to use your gift. And God, no, notice verse 6. He says this, talking about how we all have different gifts. Verse 6, having then gifts differing, all our gifts are different, even though we may have the same gift. According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And listen to what Paul says. It's not on the screen. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. He says, the Holy Spirit works all this out. The Holy Spirit is sovereign, works all these things. Distributing, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Which means God gives Kevin something just for Kevin. He gives me something just for me. He gives Kayla something. He gives Justice something. He gives Melissa something. Jacob's a Christian. He gives Jacob something. Doesn't matter your age. It's isn't age graded. He gives Marie something. He gives all of us something that's different. It's God's sovereign plan. Paul said to the church at Corinth, God has set his members, which means you are set in place at the right place if you'll surrender to it, just where God wants you to be. You're set there, right where God wants you to be. That's why I am set at East Taylorsville. I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't even entertain when other churches contact me. Don't even Because I'm set here. It's set. It's God's sovereign plan and God's sovereign will, and you just submit to it. God has a sovereign plan and a sovereign will for your life in this church. Submit to it. So many people go years and years and years and don't serve. And I'm thinking, you're missing out on God's blessings in your life. Married couples, look at me. You know, I, I, do, I do a lot of counseling. Don't mind doing counseling. Don't mind it at all. I've seen God do some great things in marriages. Okay? But I would tell you this. If you're struggling in your marriage, I guarantee you if you start serving the Lord together... God will bring, that, bring you back together. You know why? Because in marriages, listen, we get so selfish. You get mad at her. She gets mad at you. You get selfish. I'm not going to do this for you. You don't meet each other's needs. But when you come together as a couple and you serve in church, guess what? You can't be selfish here. can't be selfish. can't be proud here. can't be mean here. can't shout at each other here, can you? On the way you can, but you can't in here. All right? Isn't it amazing how God set this up for us to be here? It's a blessing to others. It glorifies God, and it's a blessing to ourselves. If we will use them. Notice what he says. Having then gifts differing according to the grace. What that means is God has just gifted us differently. There are guys that preach in bigger churches than me, and guys that preach in smaller churches than I do, guys that preach in same-size churches. I'm no better than anybody. It's just where God's put me. Okay? Some people have a large Sunday school class. Some people have a small Sunday school class. That don't mean one person's a better teacher than the other. God's just graced them differently. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But notice what he says. Let us use them. Listen, Paul MacArthur said this. The first thing that I learned from verse 3 then is the implication that strikes me so strongly that if God is the one who deals these out, these gifts, and measures them out according to his own sovereign will, then I am not to seek after another gift. That's totally foreign to Scripture. Nowhere is it taught. That's what Corinth struggled with. Then he says this, Secondly, if the Lord has given these gifts sovereignly and dealt them out to every one of us just, as his, just exactly what we need, then no one, should be, no one gift should be unused. It, no one gift should be unused. In verse 3, he says that it's a measure of faith at the end of verse 3. Paul says, he says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And MacArthur put it this way, it is basically the kind, of, kind and quantity of faith that, takes, that it takes to operate our gift. For example, if I have a gift of teaching and preaching, then God gives me the faith to take and use that gift. You'll be able to study, you'll be able to expound the word, and it'll just happen for you. Because God has measured that measure of faith out to you. 
He didn't give me a certain gift and not the capacity to operate it. You don't know if, you don't know if you're using your gift right? I'll show you. One thing God has not called me to do, God has not called me to sing. Guys, hit my music. I'm going to sing a chorus and you tell me. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Now listen, I know people that will be in services like this and they'll say, God's called me to preach. Has he? Has he? God's called me to teach. Has he? You'll find out about after three weeks if he's called you or not. You'll know. Ministry is not putting, serving God is not putting a square peg in a round hole. I've done that for years when I first got saved. Tried to be everybody and do everything. I was like, I, ain't, I have not been called to do this. But I have been called to do this. And that's what I do. See, in verse 3, he says he gives you a measure of faith. You're going to have the ability to do it. Sometimes we quit too soon on it. I was the worst teacher ever. I just didn't know how to teach. But God showed me through study and all those things how to do it. And then it just works out. It just works out. God is not going to give you a, a spiritual gift to use that you're going to hate doing it every day. You're going to love it. It's, it's going to be one of those things. Peter says this, As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You don't own your gift. You're a steward of it. You know what Christians will be judged for on Judgment Day? What did you do with your gift? Not sin. It's been taken care of. Aren't you thankful? But your gift... Because God understands He can get more out of your life than you can. And it's more than making money. It's more than buying a house. It's more than being a good ball player or having a great education. It's for the glory of God and the expanding of His kingdom. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. And you will stand before God one day and give an account of what you did or did not do with the gifting that He's given you. In this church, in your home, in the community, in your workplace. That's what you'll be judged on. So today's message is very important. I would say yes to Jesus to whatever he asks you to do. And you'll be blessed. The church will be blessed. God will be glorified and God's kingdom will be expanded. So look, you don't own your gift. You only manage it. There are only two categories of gifts that Paul talks about here. He talks about speaking gifts and serving gifts. Notice the first one. It'll be on the screen. He talks about prophecy. He says this, if God has called you to prophesy, then prophesy. What does that mean? What does prophecy mean? It just means to speak publicly. To get out in front of people and speak. To preach. You can be a street preacher. You can be a whatever evangelist, revivalist. God has called me. This is one of my gifts. That's what he's called me to do. Like it or not. You, if Eric Burgess was alive, my English teacher, he would say Jamie Steele is the worst. He gives the worst oral presentations in the history of Alexander Central High School. I was the worst. The worst. Guess what happened? After, after I was born again, Mr. Burgess... Proper Mr. Burgess spoke well. He said, well, Jamie Steele, you're speaking. <laughs> I said, I'm speaking. I'm speaking, Mr. Burgess. And you know what I ended up doing? I had a privilege and blessing to speak and preach at his funeral. Isn't that amazing? I remember I'd be so scared all day long. I, we'd have a baseball game against South Caldwell, number one team, one of the top teams in the state. And I'd be nervous, not about the game, but about giving a two-minute, two-minute oral presentation before Eric Burgess and I was like, oh, I, I mean, I, I remember I'd get sick. I, I had, had him six period. We had six periods back then. And I, my whole day would be a mess. I couldn't talk to people, be sweating, because I had to speak for two minutes. And then after God saved me, you know what I said? This is honestly what I said. Lord, I'll do anything you want. I will not speak publicly. And God said, yeah, you're going to, son. You're going to speak publicly. And then God, look, it simply means to speak publicly. Why is this important for us? 
all right? But one who prophesies, this is what you do when you prophesy. All the preachers that are, that'll maybe watch this, if you do, I know a lot of them are preaching now. The one who prophesies, this is what you do. You strengthen others, you encourage them, and you comfort them. Paul goes on to say, sometimes you rebuke, you do. It's just part of the Bible. So, so if God has called you to preach and you don't preach, people are missing out on being strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. If God has called you to preach in here, you should preach. If God is not, don't. But the one who prophesies, prophesy, he says. If you're called to, to, to prophesy, then to prophesy, speak publicly. This is why it's so important. MacArthur put it this way. It is public speaking with the purpose of building up, challenging to obedience, comforting, and the content of it is the oracles of God. Peter said this. Listen to what Peter said. Preachers, listen. If any man speaks... Let him speak with the oracles of God. Nobody cares about your opinion. Nobody, nobody cares about that. This is what Peter says we preach, the book. And MacArthur put it this way. It is public speaking with the purpose of building up, challenging to obedience, comforting, and the content of it is the oracles of God. It may be to unbelievers, mainly it's to believers. It is a public speaking gift proclaiming the word of God. Mac Brunson said this. Life and death and eternity and worlds unknown may hang on the preaching and hearing of one sermon. Isn't that amazing? So you may be here this morning falling asleep, but somebody else is not. You may be here this morning thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Somebody else, you know what somebody else is doing? Their whole life is a mess because God's dealing with them about whatever he's called them to do. I've been there, done that. Some of you probably got sweat going and said, oh no, I know what God wants me to do. You just got to do it. How does that come through? It comes through the public pro proclamation of God's word. Preachers who don't use the Bible should just step down, resign, and go do some other kind of ministry. You speak the oracles of God or don't speak. Spurgeon said, if you don't speak Christ, then you're no better than a clown who gives public speaking rallies. Speak. The second thing he talks about is the word ministry, which is one of the ones I love the best. It is the gift of serving. It's not very technical. It just says you have the gift of serving. It is a practical service. Any type of service or ministry that takes place in the church. Isn't that a blessing? That's your spiritual gift. You can just ask to do it. Look, hand out bulletins, usher, work in sound, sing, Sunday school, nursery, extended session, cook meals for funerals, coordinate shoeboxes. Thank you, Maria and Nick. You know, what a, over, you know what a massive operation that is? 800 to 1,000 shoeboxes. Nick and Maria Purdue and their family have just trans. You know, we used to do about 60 to 80 shoeboxes. I think one time we did 100. Now we're sending shoeboxes all over. Why? Because Nick and Maria Purdue, we didn't ask them to. They asked us. That's ministry. That's what it is. Not only that, but think about all these other things. Think about Good News Club. Christmas in Teeville. What a massive operation that is. Kathy and Kelly, thank you so much. We didn't ask them to do that. They asked us. Care ministry. Anybody can do care when we start it back up. You can write a card. Can you write? You know what a blessing it is? We have ladies in this church that will write cards to shut-ins and people in the church off our prayer list, and that's a blessing. It's a blessing. Think about it. Good News Club, write cards. It's ministry. I don't know what my spiritual gift is this morning. It's ministry. We, I want to highlight just a couple. A lot of you see these papers going around. It's called the Kids' Corner. Sharon and Rusty McKee, are you guys in here? Raise your hand. Sharon and Rusty. See, they, they decided to do this. We didn't ask them to do it. And what they have here is you have Romans 12, 3 through 9 here, authentic Christianity. 
and then themes that go along with it. You, they give them coloring crayons they can color. You got to fill in Jeremiah 33, 3. You can fill that in. You also have the Bible verses backwards. You can do connect the dots. And, and I'll be honest with you, Mark preaches this is what I do. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do it. Kids Corner, this is a blessing. You turn it back in after the service, she'll grade it and give it back to you the next service. Sharon and Rusty, did I ask y'all to do this? Didn't ask you, did I? I think they came and say we're doing it. <laughs> so we, they're doing it. Isn't that a blessing? Nobody asked them to do it. Okay? Nobody asked Nick and Maria Purdue to, to do shoeboxes. They s- said they wanted to do it. Nobody asked Ke- Kathy Johnson and Kelly Ockard to, to oversee Christmas in Teville. They just decided to do it. That was their ministry. Thank you guys so much. Kevin's going to come and mention another ministry that some of you could help us with real quickly. There's so many things that take place uh, from week to week that you don't see, and that's what I love about the ministry and us being in the body. Um, one of those, when, especially when the pandemic hit in March and everything changed, ministries like Ken King, who he makes sure that the services get to the radio station, and those are broadcast every Wednesday, every Sunday. Nobody sees Ken, but he does it from his home. You have people like Brent uh, Davis. He manages our website, and we've depended on that a lot. But then you have like a new ministry. There's a picture there. This is our video streaming room that's now upstairs. Um, we have four right now that have committed to be a part of this ministry. And I just want to say thank you to them. Um, we have Matt Scoggins, Jenna Corley, Micah Curley, and Grant Jordan. When the pandemic hit, we started streaming our services online and because nobody could be here, we wanted to make sure the gospel was still being proclaimed, and we found that through this, we were reaching more people than we ever have before through Facebook. Um, and just to kind of show you the impact, right now I've got our Facebook stream pu- pulled up. Some of you don't realize there's 100 to 200 people right now joining us. You've got Faye Johnson, she says she's here, Lisa Hudler, they're home, Sharon Jimmy Goforth, Armin Chapman, Kathy Elder, Gary Jatana, they're all watching with us right now, they're joined with us. And uh, this camera over here, this is our camera four. You guys over in this corner won't see it. It's on this side of the column. Um, I'm going to ask those guys right there, um, everybody that's watching from home, I want everybody to go ahead and pan that camera over to our congregation. And you'll see that little camera there, camera number four, it's going to go. Everybody wave at everybody at home because they're watching you all, whether you realize it or not, so you better watch what you're doing. Make sure you're watching the preacher. And just, just a reminder that, there's people that you don't see, and some of you say, well, I could do that. I could sit in a room. Nobody will ever know I'm up there, but I can push some buttons. I can make sure everybody's watching from home. And uh, that's a ministry we really need help in right now. we got four doing it. We want to rotate them uh, because they're stuck up there every week uh, willingly doing that, and anybody can learn to do that. My, my daughter, she's in the fourth grade. Um, if I'd let her, she could run one of those computers, but I'm not going to let her yet. <laughs> But she's here early every week, and she knows how to do it. So if you're interested in being a part of the streaming ministry or any part of our AV part, um, please come see me. We'd love to get you plugged in because you will make a huge difference. This morning, there's about 100, 200 people would say thank you. To you guys that are up there in the booth, thank you for serving today. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Notice the next thing on the screen. We were talking about teaching, and I'm not going to go through all these exhaustively, but teaching is a function of systematically training people, taking them from one point to another systematically. Okay, when we have Sunday school class, we, there's a plan through, through uh, Southern Baptist Convention with your Sunday school material to take you from point A to point B, and our teachers do that. Some teachers teach their own things. Okay? What you're doing is you're just, it's, it's like, uh, notice the verse, Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. Make disciples, teaching. 
Okay? That means that you personally, moms, can take your daughters and teach them. That's what Titus tells us. Men, the same thing with your children. But also in the context of a local church, some, is, some, some of you are gifted to teach. So what you do is you teach a class. You're, what you teach, and, and the fact that you're teaching is just as important as what I'm doing. We just have different callings. We just have different callings. That, that don't mean that you just teach and that's all. You may teach and do other things. You may teach and be in a choir. That's ministry. You, the Bible doesn't say God just gave us one, one gift. He's given us the ability to do several. But what happens in churches is, is that whenever people don't serve and use their gifts, you have about 20 to 30% of the people in areas they even shouldn't be in because there's no, nobody else that's volunteered to serve there. Okay? So if God has gifted you, use your ministry. Notice the last verse here, and we'll, I'll go quickly through these. You'll notice verse 8. He who exhorts, that's encouraging. That means that you come alongside with your mouth and with your presence and if somebody is living in sin, you encourage them to righteousness. Isn't that a blessing? Some people have that spiritual gift. If somebody is hurting or downtrodden, the, the encouragers come alongside them and build them back up. The weak, they give them strength. Complaining has never been a spiritual gift. Never. Some people think they have the spiritual gift of complaining. You don't, all right? But you may have the gift of encouraging isn't it amazing how many people get upset and leave church because of complaints when God has called us to encourage? Some of you have that gift. He said, if you're going to exhort, exhort in exhortation. Be an encourager. Look, he who gives, give with liberality. You know what that means? We're all called to give, right? But there's some people that God has blessed to the point that they're to give liberality. That means to be a, uh, a hyper giver, if you will. They can give over and above and beyond. Sometimes God, somebody will start a business, God will bless their business, and they not only give personally like they're supposed to, but because God has blessed their business, they give out of that. Happens here all the time. You know, sometimes, like I remember when we said the, the gym's been remodeled. All right? Didn't take a dime out of the budget. You know why? Because people gave that you don't know about. They gave over, above and beyond. All right? When we, when we, this land that you're on here, Right here. Part of that was purchased by somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to give this way. And that word, look at the word, it starts with a liberality. That means with no motivation. That means you don't got to pat me on the back. I'm doing it for the God's glory. My possessions belong to him. Some people are blessed that way. And if you're watching online, you don't have a church, you can come join here. All right. If God has blessed you that way. And then the last thing is this. He who leads, or the second to last thing, lead with diligence. That means the gift of administration. Do you realize that East Tales of Baptist Church, our, our budget's $1.3 million, all the ministries we have, all, all, the, all the people we employ here, all the, the goods that come in and then we, we give out. It just don't happen. There has to be administration. There has to be checks and balances. That's why there's never financial issues here. We have checks and balances we have men in place in administration. That's their gift. And if that is you, l listen, if you're the CEO of a business or if you're on the board of a business and you're helping a large business uh, uh, function, then you probably should serve in your church in the same way, don't you think? I think you should. Why would you give all your time and your talent to a business when, when, when your business is going to come and go, trust me, but what happens in the church is forever and for eternity. And then it's this, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Some people are called 
to go to prison ministry. That's what that means. It means you help somebody that is in a pitiful uh, state and you bring compassion to that person. Some people are called to go to homeless ministry. Some people are called to go to, sh to visit people that are shut in in nursing homes. Just a different kind of visitation. It just is. Some people are called to work in soup kitchens. Some people are called to work at the crisis center. You just have the gift of mercy. I remember when Spurgeon went to death row there in, in London. When he, when he left death row, they said, what do you think? And he said this. He said, were it not for the grace of God, there, there would I be, basically. And then he went on to say this. I thank God we have people who can visit and show mercy. And basically what he was saying is that's not his calling. Prison ministry is not everybody's calling. You go one time, you'll find out. Visiting people in nursing homes is not everybody's calling. All right? Visiting terminally ill people at home or in the hospital is not everybody's calling, but it's some of your calling. You can show mercy, you can come alongside, and you can be Jesus to those people if you use your gift. So I would say this. You are gifted. Use your gift. I'll close with this illustration, then I'll pray. I've used it before when I've talked about spiritual gifts, but it's really a powerful illustration. Listen, the wealthiest spot on the planet is not the oil fields of Kuwait, Iraq, or Saudi Arabia. Neither is it the gold and diamond mines of South Africa. Though it may surprise you, the richest deposits on our planet lie just a few blocks from your churches. They rest in your local cemetery. Buried beneath the soil, there are dreams that never came to pass, songs that were never sung, books that were never written, ideas that were never shared, lessons that were never taught, sermons that were never preached, people that were never reached. Our graveyards are filled with massive volumes of potential that remain potential because selfish people did not use the gifts that God had given them. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we go to the Lord in prayer. If you're here today and you never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you today to repent and believe the gospel, to place your faith in the resurrected Christ. He's your only hope for salvation. Whether you're in this building or you're watching online, place your faith and trust in Jesus. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then follow him from this day forward. And then Christian, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just do this. Yes. 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 Whatever you ask me to do, I trust you enough to say yes. He will equip you. He will bless you. And you'll be a blessing to others. Your life will have fulfillment. And the name of Jesus Christ will be glorified. Just say yes. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord for the grace that you've given us for salvation and also, Lord, for what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that as we present ourselves as a living sacrifice and, Lord, as our minds are renewed and we're transformed, that, Lord, the obvious thing that falls behind that, follows behind that is just service to you, to your church, to your community. And, Father, I pray that today East Hillsville Baptist Church, those online, those in, in attendance, would just say yes. Massive volumes of potential are in this place if we have spiritual gifts. I like what you said here in this section. Let them use them. Lord, help us to use your gifts for your honor and for your glory. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. I hope everyone has a great week and hope to see you back here Sunday.